Nothing is going to change the Word of God because Jesus is the Word and Jesus is God. He was in the beginning with God. He was God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Preaching the old-time gospel with a fresh anointing to to a new generation. This is Saved to the Uttermost with evangelist Brian Tyndall. Who is Jesus anyway, and why does it matter? The Bible, God's Word, describes Jesus as the Word and as God Himself. He's the creator of all things, and He loves you. But do you know Him? Today, Brian will bring us a message on the person of Jesus Christ and what it means to your life. Brian will be teaching from John chapter 1, so if you have a copy of the Bible, turn there now, the Gospel of John chapter 1, for a message simply entitled, Who Jesus Is. Here's Brian. Today we're going to be in the Gospel of John chapter 1, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 14. So if you'll turn in the scripture with me, John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the light, the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him... To them gave he the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Today I want us to look at John chapter 1. And the question I want us to ask ourselves is, who is Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus Christ? I believe the whole Bible is about revealing Jesus Christ. We can see him in the Old Testament because there are many scriptures there that prophetically speak of him, that the Messiah is coming. And there are many prophetic scriptures that we have in the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled uh, what it talked about in the Old Testament, he fulfilled that when he was here on this earth and when he walked on this earth in the New Testament. Uh, but the whole Word of God, and certainly the New Testament, is about the birth, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the Word of God is about Jesus Christ, and it is seeking to reveal to us who Jesus Christ is. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Uh, They begin their Gospels by telling about the physical birth of Jesus Christ. But in John chapter 1, John begins his Gospel a little bit differently. He doesn't talk about Jesus being born in the traditional way that Matthew, Mark, and Luke do. Now, he speaks about the birth of Jesus Christ, and we're going to see that here in just a few minutes as we look at this passage of Scripture in John chapter 1. But he doesn't talk about the birth in Bethlehem when Jesus was born of a virgin. He doesn't speak of that physical birth and give us the details of that physical story that happened some 2,000 years ago. 
But John does begin his gospel by talking of Jesus Christ. And he does begin his gospel by seeking to reveal to us who Jesus Christ is. And that's what I want us to look at. I want us to allow the word of God to speak to our heart today, allow the gospel of John chapter one to speak to us and allow the Holy Spirit of God to use this passage of scripture to reveal to us who Jesus Christ is. Now, why do I think we need to do this? I believe we need to do it because I don't believe many people really know Jesus Christ. And you, many of you probably say, well, Brian, I, I disagree with you. It seems to me that the vast majority of the people in the world do know who Jesus Christ is. Well, statistically speaking, there are about 7 billion people on the face of this earth that are alive today. And the experts tell us that around a third of those 7 billion people or close to 2 billion people have never heard of Jesus Christ in their language in a way that they would have a good way to understand who he is and how they could have a relationship with him. So uh, the experts tell us that literally about a third of the people on the earth today truly have never heard of Jesus Christ in their language, in a way that they could know who he was and know how to have a relationship with him. But the other two-thirds of the people on this earth, they have heard about Jesus Christ. They know some information about Jesus Christ. They uh, may know that he was born of a virgin. They may know some of the miracles that he did when he walked on this earth. They may know that he died on a cross, that he was buried in an empty tomb. They may even know that he rose from the dead. They may know different facts about Jesus, but the reality is you can know about someone without knowing that person. An example, uh, if you asked me as an American citizen, if you said, Brian, do you know Barack Obama? Well, I would probably say to you, yes, I do know Barack Obama. He's the president of the United States. His wife's name is Michelle. His daughter's name are Sasha Malia. He lives at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And I would begin to tell you a lot of facts and things that I know about Barack Obama. So if you ask me, Brian, do you know Barack Obama? I probably would respond by saying, yes, I do. But the reality is I don't know Barack Obama at all. You see, I know facts about Barack Obama, but I've never met him. Uh, he's never met me. We've never spent any time together. We've never talked. Uh, we are not friends. We do not have any kind of relationship with each other. I know about him, but I do not know him. Now, to, to finish the illustration, if you ask me, Brian, do you know your wife? Well, that's a totally different story. If you ask me, do I know my wife? And I say, yes, I know my wife. Uh, I really do know her. I don't just know facts about her. I don't just know her name. I don't just know where she was born. I don't just know what her birth date is. But I actually have a relationship with my wife. 23 years ago, we went in front of a church and we committed ourselves together in marriage. We entered into a relationship with one another. We became husband and wife. We became one flesh. And since that time, we have lived every day together. We live under the same roof. We sleep in the same bed. We eat at the same table. We share our lives together. So you see, I don't just know about my wife. I don't just know who she is. I don't just know some facts about her, but I actually know her. I know her in a personal and intimate way. I have a relationship with my wife. You see, I'm convinced that it's not just 
those one-third of the people on the face of the earth today that have never had an opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ in their language, it's not just those people that don't know Jesus Christ, but I'm convinced that many, maybe even a majority of those people that have heard something about Jesus Christ, that, that many of that two-thirds of the people on the earth that, that know some of the historical facts about Jesus Christ, that many of those people actually do not know him. They know about him, but they do not know him. They do not have a personal relationship with him. And so as we look at this passage of Scripture today, uh, I, I would like for you and I, for all of us, to examine our own lives, to examine our lives in the light of the Scripture and what it teaches, to examine our lives in the light of the Holy Spirit speaking to us and, and revealing to us whether we really do know who Jesus Christ is, whether we just know about him or whether we truly do know him and have a personal relationship with him. Uh, right off the bat, when we begin uh, reading in John chapter 1, uh, immediately uh, John begins to reveal to us who Jesus Christ is. And the first thing I think he reveals to us is that Jesus is the word of God. Notice what it says in John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So in the beginning, John doesn't begin his gospel like Matthew, Mark, and Luke does. He does not begin by talking about angels visiting Mary and Joseph and announcing the physical birth of Jesus. He doesn't begin with the birth in the manger in Bethlehem. He begins his gospel by talking about the Word the word. And in this case, he is telling us that Jesus Christ himself is the word. And we know that because not only does John reveal to us what he says in the first verse, and that is that the word was in the beginning and that the word was with God and that the word was God. But when we go down to verse 14, he tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. So who is it? What, it, what word is it that was in the beginning, what word is it that was with God? What word is it that was God that became flesh? Well, Jesus is the one that became flesh. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the one that was in the beginning with God. Jesus is the one that was there with God and that was God. He is the one that became flesh, that was born of a virgin, that wrapped himself in flesh and lived on this earth for 33 and a half years, tempted in every way like you and I, yet without sin. So Jesus is the word that John is talking about here and that he is revealing in this passage of Scripture. Now, there are other Scriptures in the Bible that reveal that Jesus is the word. In Revelation uh, chapter 19, in verse 13, in that 19th chapter, uh, John the Revelator is being caught up in a vision and, and God is showing him things. And in, in the 19th chapter, he's showing him things about Jesus Christ. And the scripture says in Revelation chapter 19, now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he that sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. Now this is Jesus Christ that's on this white horse. And it says, and his eyes were like a flame of fire and his head were many crowns. And he had a name that was written that no one knew except himself. And notice verse 13 of Revelation chapter 19, it says, And he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. 
And so not only does the gospel writer John reveal that Jesus is the word of God, but also John the Revelator uh, that wrote the book of Revelation, he also says this one that's riding on this white horse, this one that has a robe that's dipped in blood, this is Jesus that he's talking about. And if you go back and look in the context of Revelation chapter 19, it's obvious that he's speaking about Jesus Christ. He says this one who's riding on this white horse, this one who's coming back, this one who's wearing a robe that is dipped in blood, he has a name that is written on him, and it is the Word of God. He is the Word of God. We see that not only is Jesus the Word, he is the first Word. It says, in the beginning was the Word. And this isn't just in the beginning of creation. This is in the beginning uh, before time existed. This is in the beginning of eternity, uh, that the Word was there in the beginning, that the Word was with God when there was nothing else created. There, there were no worlds, there were no universes, there were no stars, there were no galaxies, there were no people, there were no animals. Before anything that we see today that has been created uh, ever came into existence, in the beginning, before any of those things, when there was nothing else here except God, Jesus was there. The word was there. And so we see that he was the first word. Um, if you go back to Genesis chapter one, verse one, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, how did he do that? How did God create the heavens and the earth? Well, if you go back to Genesis chapter one and begin to read, you'll see that God spoke and he said, let there be light. And there was light. And, and every time he created on those six days of creation, God spoke. He spoke the word and, and things were created out of his word. Who is that word? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the first word, but Jesus Christ is also, uh, the full word of God. You know, some people might say, well, you know, maybe, maybe Jesus is the word, Brian, but that doesn't mean he's all of the word. That doesn't mean that something else also can't be the word of God. Well, I would suggest to you that that's not true. Jesus is the word and nothing else is the word. Jesus is the first word and Jesus is the full word of God. Because in Revelation chapter one, verse eight, the scripture says that Jesus is the alpha and the omega. Now, uh, that's talking about the Greek alphabet there. It's like if we were saying it in English, it would be like saying uh, Jesus is the A to the Z. He is the begin. In fact, that verse goes on to say that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. In other words, he not only is the first word, he is the full word. He is the complete word. Uh, everything that God had to say, everything that God had to reveal about himself, he said and he revealed through Jesus Christ. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. There are no other words of God except the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, when we have Jesus Christ, we don't have to add anything else to Jesus Christ because he is the complete word of God, and it is wrong for us to take anything away from what he said, because everything that he said showed himself to be the complete word of God. But not only is Jesus the word, and not only is he the first word and the full word, but he is the faithful word. The Bible says in John seventeen seventeen, uh, it says, sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. 
And so the Bible says that the word of God is the truth. And Jesus said of himself in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if Jesus is the word, and if Jesus is the truth, then we can believe this word that has been revealed. He is the first word. He is the full word. He is the faithful word of God. In fact, the Bible says that heaven and earth may pass away, but the word of God will abide forever. Nothing is going to change God. Nothing is going to change Jesus Christ. Nothing is going to change the word of God because Jesus is the word and Jesus is God. He was in the beginning with God. He was God and he is the same yesterday, today and forever. Jesus Christ is the word. But not only is he the first word and the full word and the faithful word, but he is the final word. Uh, Actually, in Hebrews chapter 1, beginning with verse 2, the Bible says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by his prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. So in the past, God spoke in many different ways. Uh, We know from the Word of God, all the way back in the book of Genesis, when God created Adam and Eve, He came down in the cool of the evening, and He walked with Adam and Eve, and He spoke with them face-to-face. So God literally communicated with them directly, face-to-face, audibly. He talked with them. And then as we move on through the Word of God, we see that God spoke to His people. He, He revealed Himself in many ways, through angels, through visions, through dreams, through prophets. And God has revealed Himself in many ways. But what the writer of Hebrews says is in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son. He's spoken to us through Jesus Christ. Why? How? Because Jesus Christ is the word of God. He is the first word. He is the full word. He is the faithful word. And he is the final word. When you and I read the Word of God and we see what God has to say about any subject, that is the final word. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what anybody else's opinion is. If their opinion, if their thought, if what they say does not agree in complete entirety with what God says in his word, then what they say is wrong because God's word is faithful. God's word is true. God's word is complete. And Jesus Christ is the living word of God. After all, what is a word? A word is something that we speak that represents something physical or tangible. In other words, I I use the word house. I say the word house. The word house is a word. But the word house isn't anything but but something in my voice. It's, It's just a sound that I make. But that word represents something real. It represents bricks and mortar. It represents the physical, literal dwelling that I live in. Well, uh, the word of God, as it's spoken, uh, it is the same way. The word of God is simply a sound that we make. It's simply words on a page that we speak. But Jesus is that word. The Bible isn't just a dead book. 
Uh, it isn't just words on a page that have no meaning or no life or no importance or no power. The Bible says that the Bible is alive, that it's powerful, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword, that it's piercing even to the very marrow of our bones. The Word of God is alive. The Word of God is powerful. How is that possible? You say, because the Word is nothing more than, than somebody speaking. It's just words on a page that we're saying with our mouth, with our, with our voice box. No. Jesus is the living representation of the spoken word of God. Jesus is the word. But Jesus is also God. Not only does John reveal that Jesus is the word, Jesus is also God. And from the very beginning of the time that Jesus was born, people had a problem with Jesus saying that he was God, saying that he was divine. Uh, because people said, well, you know, we remember when he was born. I mean, he's just a person. He's just a human like we are. I mean, how can he claim to be God? And that was why uh, the Pharisees and the, and the Jewish leaders wanted to kill Jesus. One of the main reasons that they wanted to kill him is because he presented himself as the Messiah. He presented himself as God in the flesh. Now, when Jesus did that, one of two things is true. Either he was right and he was saying, I am God in the flesh, and either he really was God or he was just some insane person that was claiming to be God. But what does John say about Jesus Christ? He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So not only does John reveal that Jesus was the Word, but he also reveals that Jesus was God. Because he says this Word that was there in the beginning, this Word that was with God in the beginning, that Word that was there with God in the beginning was God. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then down in verse 14, it says, and that Word became flesh. Jesus Christ, the Word of God, Jesus, the Word, was there in the beginning with God, and Jesus, the Word, was God. And Jesus, the Word, became flesh and dwelt among men here on this earth. And when Jesus was here on this earth, He was divine. He was God, and He is God today. The Scripture teaches in John chapter 10, verse 30, uh, Jesus said of Himself, He said, I and the Father are one. And when He made that statement, the Pharisees were were livid. They were so angry that they, they, they tried to grab a hold of Jesus and, and put him to death. And, and when they began to try to, uh, kill Jesus, he asked them, what, what have I done? What, what is it that I've done wrong? Which one of my miracles is it that I've done that was so bad that you're going to kill me because of what I've done? And they said back to Jesus, we're not killing you. We don't want to kill you because of anything that you've done. We want to kill you because you have claimed to be God. And in fact, he was God. Not only did Jesus say that he and the Father were one, not only did Jesus claim to be God, John here in his gospel says that Jesus was God because he says this word that was in the beginning 
this word that was with God, this same word was God, and it's the same word that became flesh. Jesus Christ is God. He is divine. He is eternal. You'll remember that when Jesus died on the cross and he was put in the tomb on the third day, the scripture says he rose from the dead. And after he rose from the dead, uh, he came to a room where his disciples were gathered and he entered into that room and they could physically see the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. And all of the disciples were there except Thomas. And later, when Thomas came and Jesus had gone, uh, the other disciples tried to tell Thomas that they had seen Jesus Christ, that he had really risen from the dead and that he was alive. And Thomas told the other disciples, he said, I don't believe you. I don't believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. I don't believe that he is alive. And in fact, Thomas told the other disciples, he said, I will never believe that Jesus is alive until I see him for myself. And even until I put my fingers into the nail prints in his hands, in his feet and in his side. And so later Jesus came back to the disciples and Thomas was there and Jesus told Thomas, he said, come and put your fingers into these wounds of mine and see that I'm real. And the scripture says in John chapter 20, verse 28, that when Thomas, one of Jesus's disciples that had doubted that he rose from the dead, when he saw Jesus and he saw the wounds of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 20, verse 28, Thomas said to Jesus, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. Now, who did he say this to? He said it to Jesus Christ. He said it to the resurrected Jesus Christ. Thomas said a few days earlier, I don't believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I don't believe that he's alive. And then later, when he saw the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, he said to Jesus, you are my Lord and you are my God. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, Paul said, for in him that is in Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. I want you to think about that just for a minute. What was the Apostle Paul saying? Now, the Apostle Paul is one of the greatest Christians, one of the greatest evangelists, one of the greatest missionaries and preachers uh, in the history of Christianity. He wrote a majority of the New Testament. And what is he saying there in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9? He's saying, in Jesus Christ, all of the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. He says, when you see Jesus Christ, you see divinity. You see deity. You see the complete fullness of God himself when you see Jesus Christ. And in fact, that's what John said, because in John chapter one, verse one, he said, in the beginning was the word and Jesus is that word. And the word was with God in the beginning. Jesus was there with God before anything was ever created before the world or anything came into existence, Jesus was there with God. The Word was with God. And the Word that was there in the beginning, Jesus that was there in the beginning with God, He was God. And in fact, that is exactly what the angels told Mary and Joseph when they announced that Mary was going to give birth. 
You remember the angel came to Mary and he told her that she was going to have a child and it wasn't going to be a child that was going to be born by natural uh, means. It was going to be uh, the Holy Spirit was going to come upon her and she was going to conceive as a a virgin and she was going to give birth as a virgin uh, to Jesus Christ. And later, Joseph, when he found out that she was pregnant and he was engaged to Mary, uh, he was going to put her away from being his wife because of this embarrassment that she had become pregnant before they were married. And an angel came to Joseph and he said, don't put her away because what is happening to Mary, the, the pregnancy of Mary, the child that is in Mary is special. This child is of the Holy Spirit. And actually, the angel told Mary and Joseph, you are going to name this child that's going to be born. You're going to name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So from the very beginning, even before Jesus was born, an angel came and announced Jesus's birth. And the angel said, don't give him just any name. Give him the name Emmanuel. And that name Emmanuel means God with us. The word that was in the beginning with God, the word that was God, that word became flesh in the form of Jesus Christ, in the person of Jesus Christ that was born some 2,000 years ago. And when Jesus Christ was born, God was born to us. Jesus Christ, his name was Emmanuel, God with us. God coming down to his people. God coming down to save us from our sins. God coming down and wrapping himself in flesh, in the flesh of Jesus Christ. God interceding for his people and going to the cross and dying for our sins and doing for us what we could not do for ourselves because we were helpless and and dead in our trespasses and sins. And yet God became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is the word and Jesus is God. And there is no other God. Buddha is not God. Muhammad is not God. All other gods that say that they are gods, all other religions, all other names, all other deities that present themselves to be God, they are false gods. They are not real gods. There is only one true God, and his name is Jesus Christ. And not only is he the Word, and not only is he God, But John also shows us that Jesus is the creator. In verse 3, John wrote, All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And in verse 10, he goes on to say that Jesus was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. So what does John tell us about Jesus? He tells us that he's the creator. He says, all things that have been made were made through Jesus Christ. He says, without Jesus Christ, nothing that has been made has been made. And then finally, he tells us in verse 10 that the world was made through Jesus Christ. And so the Bible is clear over and over again that Jesus Christ is the word that Jesus is God and that Jesus is the creator. Everything that you and I see 
uh, everything around us, every tree, every plant, every mountain, every cloud, every star, every planet, every person, everything that we see on this earth or in this universe was created by a creator. And that creator is Jesus Christ. Nothing comes into existence by accident. You and I know that very, very well. I mean, if we were walking through the woods together, you and I, and if we were just walking down a path in the woods and we came upon a six-foot ball there in the woods, and I looked at you and I said, uh, that ball came into existence on its own. Nobody created that ball. It just happened. It just appeared. It just created itself. You would think I was crazy. You would say, Brian, there's no way. I mean, there's no way this object created itself. I mean, something had to have created it. Something had to have put it here. And you would be right because nothing comes from nothing. Everything has a beginning. Everything has to be created. And and that's true. If that's true of a of a six-foot ball that you and I see in the woods as we're walking along, it's also true of the world in which we live. It's also true of the universes and galaxies that we see when we look up into the sky and we look through telescopes. Nothing comes from nothing, not even something small, not, in, not even something minute. I could never convince you that even your television came from nothing, that it was created by nothing, that it just appeared and, and functioned the way that it functions over time. Uh, it just happened by accident. It just materialized without a creator, without anybody working on it. You wouldn't even believe that your television could be created from nothing. Well, our world and the universe is millions and billions of times more complicated than our televisions. And just like you could never convince me that our television didn't have a creator, you certainly couldn't convince me that something that is billions of times more complicated than my television could happen without a creator. Uh, you have to have much more faith to believe that this world and that every person in the world came from nothing. You have to have much more faith to believe that than you have to believe that those things had a creator. Common sense tells us that nothing comes from nothing. Common sense, logic tells us that everything has a creator. And the Bible tells us that that creator is Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us, John in his gospel in chapter one tells us that all things that were made, every single thing that has ever been made was made through Jesus Christ. And that without Jesus Christ, nothing has been created. And that even the world that he came into was created by him. Even though that world rejected him, even though that world did not receive him, even though that world did not believe in him as Messiah and Savior, he created the world that rejected him. He is the creator. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, the apostle Paul said of Jesus, for by him, by Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Paul says all things, 
Everything that we see, everything that's been created, whether visible or invisible, was created by Jesus Christ and created for Jesus Christ. And guess what? That includes you. That includes me. That includes every person on this earth. There are no people on this earth that evolved. Every person that has ever lived, every person that is living, every person that ever will be born and live, they were created by a loving creator God, and that creator is Jesus Christ. And you know why he created you? The scripture tells us, Paul tells us, all things were created by him and all things were created for him. You see, my friends, Jesus Christ is the creator. Everything that you see as you drive down the road today was created by Jesus Christ. And not only were the things that you see created by Jesus Christ, you yourself were created by Jesus Christ. And you ask yourself, well, why did he create this world? And why did he create me? You were created for Jesus Christ. Not only were you created by him, you were created for him. He loves you. You are his creation. You are his defining work in this world, in this universe. He loves you. He loves you so much that when you sinned against him, when you rebelled against him and you deserve to be punished for your sins, because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. And the Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages, the penalty of that sin is death. All of us have sinned against our God. All of us have sinned against our creator. All of us have sinned and the penalty or punishment that every single one of us deserve for our sin is death. And yet the God that created us and loves us, he loves us so much that he was willing to come to this earth and live a sinless, perfect life and go to a cross and hang on a cross naked and sacrifice his body so that you and I did not have to be punished for our sins, but he took our punishment on himself. He became sin for us, the one who had no sin. He became sin for us, and he gave his life. He sacrificed his body as a substitutionary atonement for our sin, and he shed his blood so that through his death and through the shedding of his blood, you and I could be forgiven and cleansed of our sin. And so we could be restored in our relationship with our God and with our creator. Jesus is the word. Jesus is God. And Jesus is the creator. He made everything that there is, John said. And that includes us. But not only that, Jesus is also life. Jesus is also life. In John 1, 4, the Bible says in him, that is in the word or in Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. Uh, so John reveals Jesus not only as the word and not only as God and not only as the creator, but John reveals Jesus as life. It says in him was life. In who? In Jesus was life. Jesus does not just have life, although he does, but he doesn't just have life, and he doesn't just give life, although he does, and he doesn't just make life better, although he does. My friend, Jesus Christ is life. Again, in John 14, 6, Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. There is no life outside of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is life. You say, well, Brian, there's many people in this world that don't have Jesus Christ or don't believe in Jesus Christ, and yet they're alive, they're breathing, they're eating, they're working. They have existence. You see, my friends, there's a big difference between having existence and having life. There are many things on this earth Plants, they're alive in a sense. They're existing. They're uh, through photosynthesis. They're they're alive. People would say biologists would tell us. Animals, cows, chickens, horses, dogs, cats. They're breathing. They're eating. And that's the way it is with people. There's yes, people are eating. They're breathing. They're getting up every day and going to work. They're they're going through the nuances of what you and I call life and all of the things that have to be done to make an existence on this earth possible. But most of those people do not have life. Most of those people do not have abundant life, and certainly most of those people do not have eternal life. I would ask you today to evaluate your own self and ask yourself, And be honest before God, do I really have life? And the answer to that question is, if you don't have Jesus Christ, you don't have life. That's what the Bible says in 1 John. It says, he who has Christ has life. He who does not have Christ does not have life. Why? Because Jesus is life, and there is no life without Jesus Christ. If you're trying to live without Jesus Christ, it's impossible You'll never be able to do anything other than just exist in this world. And the majority of the time, if you're trying to live without Jesus Christ, not only will you have existence instead of life, not only will you have miserable existence rather than abundant life, you will go through the struggles of trying to live and trying to make a life and have a life here in this world, and you will be spinning your wheels and it will never happen. It will never come to the outcome that you're looking for, you'll never find the fulfillment. You'll never find the happiness. You'll never find the abundant life that you want and that you're seeking until you find it in Jesus Christ, because he is life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, uh, the scripture says that Satan, the devil, is seeking to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he's wanting to do. That's what the devil does in people's lives. He is working. The devil is working all of the time. And what is he working to do? To kill, to steal, and to destroy. And all we have to do to see that he's accomplishing his work is to just look at the TV, just turn on the radio, just open a newspaper. All over the world, there's violence, there's crime, there's murder, there's terrorism, there's pain, there's war. All over the world, Satan is killing and stealing and destroying. And even those people that aren't involved in terrorism and in in direct wars and in direct conflict and in direct physical death, many of those people that you and I would look at and say, well, you know, their life is pretty good. Many of those people in reality, all they have is existence. They don't have life. They don't have abundant life. They don't have eternal life because they don't have Jesus Christ. And because they don't have Jesus Christ, Satan is able to work in their life and he's able to accomplish his purpose and his goals of killing, stealing and destroying in their lives and their marriages and their health 
in the rearing of their children, in their jobs, in every area of their life, Satan is turned loose and he's constantly working to kill and to steal and to destroy in hundreds of different ways. But my friends, it doesn't have to be that way. Every single one of us can have life. Why? Because Jesus Christ is life. And Jesus Christ has come that you and I might have life through him. In fact, the very verse that John 10, 10, that says that Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy, that same verse, after it says what Satan has come to do, to kill, steal, and destroy, Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Do you know why Jesus Christ was born 2,000 years ago? Do you know why that virgin gave birth to that child? Do you know why God wrapped himself in flesh? Do you know why Jesus was born Emmanuel, God with us? Do you know why Jesus came to this earth? Because he wants us to have life. He knows that we're dead in sin. He knows that we have an enemy that's seeking to kill, steal, and destroy us. But he doesn't want us to die. He doesn't want us to be killed. He doesn't want us to be destroyed. He wants us to have life. And not only does he want us to have life, he wants us to have an abundant life on this earth. And not only does he want us to have an abundant life on this earth, he wants us to have eternal life with him in heaven after we die physically. And that life is possible only through Jesus Christ because Jesus is life. But not only is Jesus the Word, and not only is Jesus God, and not only is Jesus the Creator, and not only is Jesus life, Jesus is spiritual light. Jesus is spiritual light. Beginning in John chapter 1, verse 4, John says, And in Him, that is, And Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The darkness did not comprehend the light. That doesn't mean that the darkness did not understand the light. It means that the darkness did not overcome or overpower the light. Jesus is light. In fact, Jesus says of himself in John chapter 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You see, in the world, spiritually, the majority of people are in darkness. They're in darkness because of their sin. They're in darkness because of Satan. He's worked in their life to steal, kill, and destroy so that they can't see spiritually. The Bible says that Satan has blinded people so that they cannot see Jesus for who he is, that they cannot understand that Jesus is the Savior. And Satan is wanting to continue to kill, steal, and destroy. He's wanting to continue to keep people in spiritual darkness. But Jesus has come as light. He has come as spiritual light. He has come as the light of the world. And Jesus said, because he has come as the light of the world, that we no longer have to walk in darkness, but we can have the light of life. And in John 1, 9, it says he brings this light to every man. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 9, that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. You know, it's not that Jesus has just come for some people. 
Now, there's some religions, there's some denominations, there's some theologies that teach that Jesus has only come for some people, that Jesus only died for some people, that Jesus only wants certain people to be saved. But that's not what we read in the Word of God. We read that God so loved the world. We read in the Word of God that that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We read here in John chapter 1, verse 9, that Jesus has come as the light of the world and that he's come as a light shining to every man. Every person hearing my voice today, Jesus has come into your spiritual darkness, into your sin, into the blindness that Satan has tried to put on you to keep you from seeing your sin, to keep you from seeing Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the Savior of the world. Satan is trying so hard to keep you from seeing what John is trying to reveal, and that is that Jesus is the Word, that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the Creator, that Jesus is life. Satan is trying to keep you in darkness. He doesn't want you to see those things. He doesn't want you to understand those things. He doesn't want you to believe those things because he wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. But Jesus has come, and he has come as the light of the world, and that light has come for every man. That light has shone into the darkness. Every dark corner of this world, the light of Jesus Christ has shone. And my friends, we don't have to walk in spiritual darkness. We can receive the light of life. We can receive the Lord Jesus Christ into our lives, into our heart. We can be saved. And and God will take us from spiritual darkness into spiritual light. And we can dwell with him forever and ever and ever. And did you know that the Bible says there's not going to be any darkness in heaven? The Bible says that it will never be dark in heaven. And yet the Bible also says that there will be no sun and stars and moon in heaven. So where is the light going to come from? The Bible says that it will be light in heaven continuously, not because there's sun and moon and stars, but because Jesus Christ himself is light and he will radiate his light for us, for eternity, we'll be there with him in perpetual light in heaven forever and ever and ever. Jesus Christ is spiritual light. And I love the fact that John says that the darkness will never overpower. The darkness will never be able to overcome the spiritual light, the light of Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes when you and I look at the world and we look at how the world is going and we we see that things are going bad, we think to ourselves, is evil going to win? Is evil going to triumph over good? And the answer to that question is no, it's not. Uh, the darkness will never overpower the light. John tells us here in John chapter 1, uh, he says, you can be sure of this. The spiritual darkness will never overpower or overcome spiritual light. The devil will never overcome Jesus Christ. And we know that's true even physically. Uh, You can walk into the darkest place where there's no light at all, not one bit of light. You can't see your hand in front of your face. And even the smallest spark, even the smallest match, even the smallest candle will begin to dispel darkness from that big place, from that large room. It doesn't even take much light. One bit of light will begin immediately to expel darkness from even a very large place. 
And my friends, it's not just a candle that's coming to the world. It's not just a spark that's coming to the world, but it is the light of Jesus Christ. It is the light of the world. And Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And he has come and he has shown in this spiritual dark place. And through him, we can have the light of life if we will believe in him, if we'll put our faith in him. And if we'll repent of our sins and confess our sins, we can have this spiritual light. We can have his salvation. And then finally, uh, the scripture says uh, in John chapter 1 that Jesus is the power of God for salvation. Not only does John teach us that Jesus is the word, and not only does he teach us that Jesus is God and that Jesus is creator and that Jesus is life, and that Jesus is the spiritual light. But John also teaches us that Jesus is the power of God for salvation. We see that in John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, but as many as received him, who? As many as received Jesus, as many as received the light of the world, as many as received the life, as many as received God, as many as received the creator, as many as received the word. And all of those things are Jesus. So he's saying as many as received him, as many as received Jesus to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. As many as received Jesus, as many as received Jesus. Jesus is the power of God for salvation, but we must receive him. He has come into this world. He has come as spiritual light to reveal himself and to dispel spiritual darkness. He has revealed himself as God, as creator, as the word, as life, as light, but we must receive him. We can't reject him. We can't remain neutral on Jesus Christ because the Bible says it's only those, it's only as many as receive Jesus Christ that will be saved. And so I ask you today, have you received him? Because the Bible says that he's the power of God for salvation to as many as will receive him. Have you received him? And if not, will you receive him today? Because my friend, if you do not receive him, you will not be saved. The only way to be saved is to receive Jesus Christ. The scripture is clear that as many as received him, as many as received Jesus, to them gave he the right to become children of God. If you want to be a child of God, if you want to be saved, if you want to be in the family of God, if you want to be a child of God, if you want God to be your heavenly father, then you must receive Jesus Christ. You say, Brian, well, how do I do that? Do I join a church? Do I get baptized? Do I do good works? Do I give money? What do I do to receive him? The scripture tells us in that same verse 12, it says to them, he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. You see, we don't receive him by joining a church or going to a church. We don't receive him by being baptized. We don't receive him by being born in a Christian family. We don't receive him by being religious. We don't receive him by prayer. We don't receive him by good works. The way we receive Jesus Christ is through faith. Those who believe in his name 
We must believe in Jesus Christ. We must put our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone if we want to be saved. Because Jesus Christ is the power of God for salvation. Jesus Christ is the one that if I will receive him by faith, that he will give me the right to become a child of God. He has the power. Jesus has the power to take me, someone that's alienated from God, somebody that has sinned and that is separated from God by sin. Jesus Christ has the power. If I will put my faith and trust in him and in him alone and in what he did for me on the cross 2,000 years ago when he sacrificed his body and shed his blood and died on a cross for my sins and was buried and three days later rose again from the dead, if I will put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he did and accomplished for me on Calvary's cross, he will give me the power to become a child of God. He will give me the power to be saved, to be born again into the family of God. There is no other power. The church does not have the power to bring salvation to you. The priest does not have the power to bring salvation to you. Religion does not have the power to bring salvation to you. Baptism does not have the power to bring salvation to you. Good works do not have the power to bring salvation to you. How many people have I talked to in my life? And I would ask them, are you saved? Are you a Christian? Do you know for sure that you'll go to heaven when you die? And many of those people, maybe even a majority of those people would say to me, yes, I believe that I'm a Christian. I believe that I know Christ. I believe that if I died, I would go to heaven. And when I asked them why, why, how do you know that you're a Christian? How do you know that you would go to heaven if you died? What they would say to me is something like this. Well, I think I'm a pretty good person. And I believe that if there's a God that one day if I stand before him, I believe that he'll see that I've done the best that I can. And I've not been perfect, but I believe that my good will outweigh my bad. And I believe that he'll let me into heaven. My friends, those people are not going to get to heaven. The scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're not made right with God by works. We're not made right with God through anything other than faith in Jesus Christ and faith in Jesus Christ alone. And I love that scripture because that scripture, John, shows us that Jesus is the power of God for salvation. That scripture says, as many as receive Jesus, to them, to those that receive Jesus by faith, he, Jesus, gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, even to those who believe in the name of Jesus Christ. My friends, do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know him personally? Do you know him as Savior and Lord? Are you sure? Uh, You know, I began this message by saying there are many people that know about Jesus, but they don't know him. They don't have a personal relationship with him. But today, as we've looked at this scripture, has God revealed himself to you? Has he revealed Jesus Christ to you in a way maybe that you never had Jesus Christ revealed before? Maybe before you knew some facts about Jesus Christ, you knew some stories about Jesus Christ, but today you realize, even though I knew about Jesus Christ, I realize I do not know Jesus Christ. I realize I do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
But today, as we've looked at the Word of God, and as the Holy Spirit has ministered His Word to your heart, He has revealed Jesus to be the true Word of God. He has revealed Jesus to be the true God. He has revealed Jesus to be the Creator, your Creator. He's revealed Jesus to be life. He's revealed Jesus to be spiritual light, and He has revealed Jesus to be the power of God for salvation. My friends, if you see who Jesus is today, if God has revealed Jesus through His Word, and He has opened your eyes through His Holy Spirit to who Jesus Christ is, and that it's Christ and Christ alone that has the power of God for salvation, will you believe in Him today? Will you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ today and in Him alone? My friends, if you will, He'll save you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. My friends, if you will call on him today, and if you'll say, Jesus, I do believe that you're God that became flesh. I do believe that you created me. I do believe that there is life only in you. And I want an abundant life on this earth, and I want eternal life when I die I'm tired of walking around in spiritual darkness. I'm tired of Satan killing and stealing and destroying in my life, in my marriage, in my family. I'm sick of living in spiritual darkness. I'm sick of living with the death and destruction that Satan brings into my life. I want life. I want abundant life. I want eternal life that is found only in Jesus Christ. My friends, if you'll turn to him today, and if you'll put your faith in Him and in Him alone, and if you'll confess your sin to Him and ask Him, He'll forgive you. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we will confess our sin, that He, Jesus Christ, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. My friends, Jesus Christ, the one that came into the world to show spiritual light in a dark place, my friend, He'll, he'll bring that light to you. He'll bring that salvation to you if you will only turn to Him today in faith and repentance. And my friend today, that's my prayer. My prayer is that every single one of us that are listening to this word today, that we would not just know about Jesus Christ, but that we would know Him personally as Savior and Lord of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. If we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then we begin to move from death to life. You're listening to Save to the Uttermost with evangelist Brian Tyndall, wrapping up his message entitled, Who Jesus Is. If you'd like to have the entire sermon to listen to again or to pass on to a friend, simply contact us for a CD copy. There are three ways you can contact us. First, visit our website, uttermostevangelism.org. That's uttermostevangelism.org. While you're there, you can stream the message online as well, uttermostevangelism.org. Second, you can write us. Our mailing address is Uttermost Evangelism, P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, that's spelled P-O-N-T-O-T-O-C, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. Or you can call us at 662-372-1912. That's 662 372 
1912. And when you contact us, be sure to request a book Brian has written entitled Salvation, Man's Greatest Need, God's Greatest Gift. In order to experience new life in Jesus Christ, you must first come to a point of salvation. And in the book, Brian examines the five aspects of salvation, why all people need to be saved, how God has made our salvation possible, why anyone can be saved, what salvation really is, and how we receive God's gift of salvation. And we want to send you a copy absolutely free. Just ask. Brian Tyndall is the founder and president of Uttermost Evangelism and a full-time missionary evangelist. He travels all over the world preaching open-air crusades, church revivals, and evangelistic events in prisons and schools, as well as teaching pastors and church leaders how to more effectively communicate the gospel and evangelize the lost. Uttermost Evangelism exists to make Jesus known and glorified among the nations by proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to all people. Uttermost Evangelism and the Save to the Uttermost program are made possible by people just like you. Your support helps further kingdom growth. You can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website, uttermostevangelism.org, or you can write a check and send it to Uttermost Evangelism, P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. Thanks for your prayers and your financial support. Well, that's all for today. Join us again next time. And remember, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those that come to God through him. God bless. Save to the Uttermost is provided by Uttermost Evangelism, Pontotoc, Mississippi.